0: Do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. Knowledge ideas, perspectives, and research insights on topics that matter. Business advice for better decisions and growth, latest on the world of innovation and ideas, a look inside a global world beyond borders, and an open view on social challenges. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.esade.edu. My name is Lisa Hienberger, and I'm an assistant professor here at ESADE and director of the Entrepreneurship Institute. And I'm very honored to have with us today Dr. Caroline Essers, who's an associate professor at Nijmegen School of Management from the Netherlands. And um, she's been actually uh, presenting some of her work today to our group And I'd like to know a little bit more about some of your research. So I prepared some questions and I'm hoping that you can answer those. So thank you very much for being here. Yes. uh, Thank you very much for uh, having me here. Really, very nice. Great. So first of all, I'd like to understand why you think it's important to to actually rethink this concept of entrepreneurship from a critical perspective.
1: Yes. uh, Yeah. A very good question. So what question always, of course, to be answered well, I think it's so important to look at it in a critical manner because the traditional literature, I mean in, in handbooks on entrepreneurship, but also in popular magazines, uh, really conceptualizes entrepreneurship as something which is always good and, and something which we should attain and stimulate. But what if we have been looking at it in the wrong way? What are the conditions under which entrepreneurship should take place? Uh, In what context should it take place? Yeah, and and furthermore, I think it's a very normative and ideological uh, discourse. So we always think, uh, when we think about entrepreneurship, the bigger, the better, the more growth, the better, instead of sustainability, which obviously today is so much more important perhaps, or equally important. And besides that, it's also very gendered and ethnicised uh, white Christian discourse, which is, of course, the topic of my research. And I think that at least we should be aware of this, that it's really uh, not a neutral discourse, and in that sense it really impacts on people uh, that perhaps not fall in these categorizations of being white, uh, male, masculine, etc. So... Yeah, so I think uh, uh, this is a very short answer to a very big, important Mm -hmm. problem, phenomenon. Mm
0: -hmm. That's really interesting. So could you give some examples of how that could actually have an effect on on entrepreneurs?
1: Yes, well, uh, uh, to uh, start with discourse, like I said, it's a very hegemonic, very... Influential discourse and discourse tends to work like this, that if people hear a story over and over again, they tend to believe in it. So it creates truth effects. So if we see on the me- in the media, on the news, uh, only role models, only o- examples of successful entrepreneurs in the sense of uh, uh, middle-aged, white, middle-class uh, man... Uh, For instance, we have many programs on television, such as uh, The Apprentice. I don't know if you ever Mm -hmm. heard of The Apprentice. Well, uh, not our president, but President Trump, uh, who used to be a very popular and very big entrepreneur, used to play a big role in that, as a, a, a person who wants to have a new apprentice. But also in the UK, you have The Apprentice, and then you have Sir Alan Sugar. My point is, they're both... White male uh, middle-aged entrepreneurs. So, in on on those shows, but also in popular magazines, you hardly see women entrepreneurs being successful, being portrayed as successful uh, uh, business people. Let alone women with a minority background mm-hmm. or Muslim uh, female entrepreneurs. So, and this is really because people think, oh, I cannot attain this. This sublime object, yeah. like they say in the critical entrepreneurship studies literature of the entrepreneur. It's too difficult. It's too, I need to uh, belong to a certain group. I need to have certain characteristics. I need to have certain identity uh, uh, backgrounds. I I need to uh, fulfill a certain picture. So um, so that is really uh, 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 resulting in a very uh, exclusionary uh, uh, practice and, and discourse of, for these people. And they, have, they feel they have to adjust, they have to change, they have to go through trainings programs, they have to get a mentor, etc. Mm-hmm. They cannot be just themselves and then also be a successful entrepreneur.
0: So, they have to somehow copy or mimic yeah. uh, these sort of white, white male stereotypes? Exactly, exactly.
1: And this is exactly one of the topics that I discussed this morning in your very nice seminar uh, uh, program. Uh, and these topics uh, are related to post colonialism and post colonial feminism. And these really uh, perfectly show the, 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 the sorts of, of coping strategies um these these women with migrant backgrounds apply in order to get legitimation and to to get acceptance from their audience to be an entrepreneur
0: and do you think that um and i i, I guess um that investors would also be in, influenced by you know these these stereotypes mm-hmm. if, if you may um, and, and does it mean also that these uh, that types of entrepreneurs who don't fit these categories have uh, more of a difficulty in gaining access to financing when yeah. they're setting up their businesses?
1: Yeah. yeah. This is, uh, shown, uh, has been shown by, by lots of different uh, researchers, also by my own research, uh, talking not only by the women themselves who felt they had to prove Uh, more, they had to work harder on their business plans in order to prove they were legit as entrepreneurs, but also in my uh, interviews, talks with um, loan officers of banks, policy makers, they showed in in, in their uh, talks that uh, uh, they found it uh, sometimes difficult uh, to believe that these women were to be taken seriously as real entrepreneurs to, to, to say so mm. um, and this also uh, resulted in lower loans for instance so mm. these women uh, had to prove more but also got lower loans uh, than their male counterparts for instance mm.
0: so and you also true. study not just female but also migrant yeah. um, entrepreneurs and, yeah. and what kind of biases are, are um, do you, have you found in your research there
1: Well, the interesting uh, thing, interesting is perhaps not the right word, but (laughs) from a a scholar's perspective at least, um, these women are not only women, they are Turkish or Moroccan in in the case of my study, they are entrepreneurs, but they are also Muslim and all at the same time. And this is where the concept of intersectionality comes in. So the simultaneity of these categories makes that it's for them. Uh, much more difficult to become an entrepreneur and to get exact acceptance uh, from their audience, from um, different communities, majority community, in my case the Dutch majority community, but also uh, their own ethnic uh, community. Uh, what's happening there is that uh, entrepreneurship in itself, as already explained, is quite gendered, so it has a very masculine connotation to it. Um, but also uh, in their own community, the public-private divide is very gendered, meaning uh, women are prescribed to more household rules and and caring uh, uh, rules. I mean, not rules, but rules. <laughs> and, um, um, and 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 for them to trans- transgress uh, the public-private divide, which is so gendered, and taking a very public role. Uh, being a very public figure as an entrepreneur in a community is quite difficult Uh, and it's not always accepted or uh, desired or appreciated uh, not only by the way by their male counterparts but also by their female counterparts so it's also important I would say to show in in my research in our research that it's not only uh, uh, the the men in these communities that uh, withhold perhaps and, and, and make their lives difficult so to say mm-hmm. but sometimes also their 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 mothers or their sisters perhaps they also have a stake uh, in maintaining a certain status quo
0: mm-hmm. and and i'm wondering uh, in, in that uh, that's really interesting and and in terms of what we actually can do about this so so i can understand that as we mentioned before you know some um of these uh, female entrepreneurs are trying to mimic, you know, what uh, their male counterparts are doing. But I think uh, there should also be ways for, you know, other, uh, for for the sort of more traditional or what we think about as the stereotypical entrepreneurs to learn also from those different contexts and different types of entrepreneurs who, who are actually doing really great work. Uh, is there something that um, that you would take as, as uh, sort of strategies that are used in the type of entrepreneurship that you study that others could learn from um, as well?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, uh, from starters, I think it's very important for local and also national governments uh, to be aware of the fact that these women are there and that they shouldn't be stigmatized uh, and being seen as, as uh, un-emancipated eman- eman- uh, and that they really want to take up a role as an emancipated uh, person um, because they're very important role models also for the communities for mm-hmm. not only uh, other women but also the children, also male uh, uh, people, also their their sons for instance mm-hmm. Uh, can look up to them. So I think it's very important for uh, society and and governments to be aware of the important role that these women play uh, and that they really can make a change, that they really change Asians so to say. Um, And therefore I think also that um, it's important that to some extent for some period of time uh, these women perhaps get some extra funding some extra help stimulation from these governments to set up their businesses and uh, that also support is being given to their networks uh, and that they're also being eased access to more mainstream entrepreneurial networks uh, and and those kind of extra help uh, at the beginning uh, in order uh, to recognize and and legitimize their roles in, in our society and last but not least, of course, it's, it's our job as scholars, as scientists, to write about it. Not only in those very great journals like organization studies or human relations or whatever, uh, but also uh, sometimes to take a, a step aside of, it, of uh, the, the academic discourse and to write about it in more popular media. Mm -hmm. Had to write about it in in, in newspapers once in a while, when we really have an important message uh, to spread. Uh, Because I think it's also our responsibility as scholars uh, to share these very important insights that these women have very important social
0: and economic roles Mm. all at the same time. Yeah, I think that you you definitely touch upon sort of the impact that they're having, you know, beyond just sort of setting up a business, but actually being role models and change agents and as, in a way agents of their own change.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, uh, I'm, I'm very glad also to be part of this podcast because this is also, a, of course, a wonderful way
0: to share this information with other people. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing this and being here with us at Asada today. Thank you very much as well. If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform, dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do better.